grace is God's unmerited favor that he calls upon our lives and looks upon us and his love, which is his um, agape, sacrificial love, it loves, without, uh, loves us as we are <laughs> and uh, brings us, calls us to, to, to be with him. So we're grateful that you are with us and all of you are here. And uh, make mention that if you have contributions that you would like to send, uh, please uh, make your check out to Winbur Assembly and uh, make it to and send it to Winbur Assembly Box 361, Winbur PA 15963. So Box 361, you can make your check out to 361 and Box 361. It's a good numbers, right, Jen? Not three dollars and sixty-one cents, Ken. No, no, not three dollars and sixty-one. Three six. No, just kidding. So. <laughs> So we're grateful for your contributions, and God provides for us, his family. A couple of announcements. We are doing Wednesday night. We're continuing our study on the book of Revelation, and we'll kind of start over again, chapter 1. And we're doing it around the square table. (laughs) We used to have, we did have a round table when everybody kind of sat close together and so on. But we're going to spread everybody out and keep uh, the numbers and hopefully get our social distancing in. So that'll be Wednesday night at 7 o'clock in church, of course. Sunday school in church, 9, 10.45, no, 9.45 and 10.45. I've only done this for 40 years. I mean, you know, (laughs) somebody changed the names on me or something. Also, oh, if you notice our little buddy barrel here, that's for our children's missionaries and the support that we have that we're still collecting loose, loose, lost coins for lost souls. Right, Glenda? Hey, lost coins for lost souls. So if you'd like to send in your, uh, all your uh, change for a month, send it in. Box 361, Winber. <laughs> well, this morning, you know, it seems like the last few weeks I've been um, preaching on the, the subjects that I like most, you know, uh, and stories in the Bible that are especially meaningful to me and perhaps as I was growing up or just important, um, important areas of Scripture. And today I want to speak about David and Goliath. And I was thinking of different titles, you know, Goliath, his three fatal mistakes. You know, well, that's not right. Uh, then there's David, three keys to defeating giants. How's that? I like that one. David and his three keys to defeating giants. Now, if you have your key, no, I was going to say, bring your keys to the church and we'll make the right size for you to defeat all giants. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, so you're just really wondering, what is he going to do? How is he going to make a key to defeat giants? Well, it's, it's, it's a spiritual key that we're going to unlock. So as we begin with David, it's important to begin in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Now, this is whenever we're doing a little background as we start uh, this story with David. Um, King Saul has fallen out of favor with God because Saul, every time the prophet Samuel would go to him and say, God wants you to do a certain thing, go and conquer a certain city and destroy everyone in the city because the the, the people in those cities and... um, their livestock and things, their city, the people were considered, they were sinful. They were worshiping other gods. They had come to a point of basically no return. And so Saul would go and conquer the city, but he, he neglected to kill the king. 
He brought the king back and rode him through Jerusalem like he was a big triumph. And then he was supposed to kill all the animals, you know? And sometimes we'd say, why is he going to kill all the animals? God was telling them or helping them to understand that their success and their ability as a nation to continue to exist did not come from conquering somebody else and taking their livestock or taking, them, uh, taking their animals and things. Their continued existence was dependent upon God and God was telling them you, that all that stuff, that needs to go away and you need to continue to focus on, on, um, on your relationship with me, meaning God. Well, Saul would, he would come back from the enemy and Samuel would go to Saul and he says, who's that riding down the street there? And Saul says, well, it's not my fault. <laughs> the people, the, the soldiers needed this to, to, to bring back home to the, uh, to the city so that they could glory in their great victory. And he says, well, what's the bleeding of these animals that I hear? Oh, well, that's not my fault either. It was the soldiers. They wanted to bring them back, you know. And that was kind of Saul. He was always making excuses for not doing what he knew he was supposed to. So he fell out of grace, but he was still the king, but he was constantly moving further and further away from God and away from Samuel, who was the prophet. So God tells Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem, and I want you to go to the house of Jesse, and I want you to anoint one of his sons to be the future king of Israel. Well, there was a bunch of things going on that, you know, uh, Samuel says to God, well, you know, if I go there and, and anoint him, Saul will kill him. Well, God says, Samuel, just take a, a heifer there and offer a sacrifice for the whole community, but do this in secret. So he went to the house of Jesse, told Jesse, bring your sons, and God has chosen one of them to be king. And verse uh, 6 says, When Jesse and his sons arrived, Samuel saw El El Eliab, Eliab and thought, this is Samuel the prophet, he looked at Eliab and he says, Surely this is the man whom the Lord has chosen. But the Lord said to Samuel, Eliab is tall, handsome, almost like me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was waiting for something. I was the duck. <laughs> but the Lord said to Samuel, Eliab is tall and handsome, but don't judge things by that. God doesn't look at, the, at what people see. People judge by what is on the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. Eliab is not the right man. Then the, the second son came by. He was not the right man. The third son came by and not the right man. Then verse 11, then Samuel asked Jesse, gone through all the kids, seven, there's eight, eight boys in Jesse's family. All, you know, seven had been brought before him and they, none of them were the, 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 the one that God was going to anoint king. And Samuel says, is this all your boys? Well, no, I have another one, my youngest. He's out taking care of sheep. Now, one of the things that we would think, okay, here's David, you know, us looking back at history. He, was, he probably was the spoiled son of, a, of his father, and he was probably, you know, a rich kid who ended up being king. David was, when it came to thinking about a king being anointed 
for the position of king of Israel, Jesse never even thought of his, his, his ruddy kid, David. Never, wasn't even, he, he, he was not the apple of his father's eye. Because he was kind of small, he was handsome, says that later, and, and that he was, you know, a good-looking kid, but he takes care of the sheep. He's kind of the one relegated to go out and take care of stuff, and the, the, the big boys, they're here taking care of the, the house and, and the manly things and earning, earning money and all that kind of stuff. So Jesse, youngest son, came in front of his brothers and the Spirit of the Lord. So when the Lord, when the Lord said to Samuel, get up, this is verse 12, the Lord said to him, get up and anoint him. He's the one. Well, Samuel took the horn of oil and poured it on the special oil on David, Jesse's youngest son in front of his brothers. Now, it's important that we remember this. He did this in front of his brothers. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David, and great power from that day on was with David. Now, it's important to remember, one, that he was basically overlooked by his father and his brothers. Second, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And the power of God from that day forward came upon David. He had, and I think what that means is, he had a spiritual awareness to understand what's going on, to understand things, see through things that, you know, everything has a purpose, everything has a plan. We need to, we need to go on through this. Well, let's skip down then to 1 Samuel 17, chapter 17, verse 1. Well, now there's a battle going on. There's a war but there's no fighting. <laughs> there's a war between the Philistines and the Israelites and King Saul, but there's no fighting. So they had gathered together in this place in the Valley of Elah, verse 2. And the Valley of Elah, and, and again, in those days, the military battles, no one wanted to give up the high ground. All right? You're on, you're, there's a valley between the Philistines and, the, and King Saul and the, and the Israelite, Israelite army. And so no one wanted to go down into the valley and fight up the hill. So they would be there and they'd stand on both sides. And they would, uh, for 40 days, this went on. And verse 4 says, the Philistines had a champion. <laughs> he was a fighter named Goliath. He came from the WWF. That's the only thing I could remember from wrestling, you know. He was the, um, who was his name? Andre the Giant. This was years ago when I was a kid we used to watch these things. But anyhow, Goliath was nine feet tall. Some say ten, between nine and ten feet tall. And uh, he had a bronze helmet. So he had, you know, you've got to imagine that the... Uh, in the military times, you know, these armies, they would do everything to intimidate. So they would wear, you know, and you saw the Romans and maybe some movies and they had Romans, they had these plumes on the top, these basically plumes or brushes, which looked like a brush on top of their helmet. Anyhow, anything to make them higher, bigger, appear taller. And so he had a bronze helmet. So here's this guy, nine, nine ten foot tall, with this huge, blazingly bright helmet that sparkled in the sun, and uh, his armor looked like scales of fish, so it's all overladen, and his armor weighed 125 pounds. His javelin looked like a loomer's rod, so probably bigger than 
thicker, like two or three broomsticks. And it had a blade on the front that was 15 pounds. So this guy is not only big, he's agile, <laughs> and he can wield quite a, um, quite a, quite a wallop whenever he, he comes after you. So this is the biggest, baddest warrior of the Philistines and of the Israelites. So with the combination of both of all of these people, this is the biggest guy on the, on the block. And he's, up, he's there, and each day, verse 8, Goliath would come out and he would challenge the soldiers. And why are all of your soldiers lined up ready for battle? You are Saul's servant, and I am a Philistine. Choose one man. If that man kills me, we'll be your servants. If, he kills, if, if I kill him, you're our servants. <laughs> and nobody would go fight him. All right. So the Philistine in verse 10 said, Today I stand and make fun of the army of Israel. I dare you to send someone out, one of your men, to meet me. And King Saul and all of the Israelite soldiers, verse 11 they all were very afraid. Isn't that just like a giant? <laughs> and the giants in our lives are many different things, can be many different things. And uh, we've got to understand that the, the giants in, in us not, are all not physical. They're not physical giants. They're things that we feel intimidated by we feel belittled by, and some of those things are just plain out. <laughs> They're right. <laughs> They're just better than us. And so G Goliath is there, and he's, he's got this control of the battlefield. He's the main man. Well, we go on, and uh, David is at home, and his father... You know, he goes back and forth between serving Saul and going home and watching his sheep. And Jesse, his father, wants David to take food and things to his brothers. But he, he sends some cheese and, you know, uh, bread and things to the commander of the thousand. Basically saying, commander, take care of my boys. Here's some food. <laughs> you know, watch so my boys are protected. Uh, David's three older brothers. And uh, so he takes them there and goes to his brothers and, and, and is talk, he's giving them the food. He left it off with the um, guy who's over the food in that area. And he goes to the battlefront, and there he is with his brothers, and he's talking to his brothers, and uh, the, this Goliath comes out. And, but anyhow, before we get there, verse 25 says, One of the Israelite men said, Do you see that man? They're talking to David. Look at him. He comes out each day and makes fun of Israel. Whoever kills him will get rich. <laughs> King Saul will give him a lot of money. Saul will let him marry his daughter. <laughs> and he will not have to pay taxes. That's, you know, that's an enticement, right? He's making it worth your while to go out and try and take care of this giant. Money, <laughs> the king's daughter... And no taxes. Well, verse 26. David asked the man standing near him, What did you say? 
So David, verse 20, 20, uh, 26 and 27, uh, is like re-clarifying. Did I hear you right? That you, I can get paid to, for going out and killing this guy, and, and I can get to marry the king's daughter, and I don't, my family doesn't have to pay taxes on their land? Is that what you said? Well, then David comes up and he says, what is the reward for killing the Philistine? Who is this Goliath anyway? He is only some foreigner. Nothing but a Philistine. Why does he think he can speak against the army of the living God? That is the only man, David is the only one who's put this in such a perspective. Do you know how we know that? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to there. We'll, we have this, hold it in suspense. Ready? Verse 28. David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking with his soldiers, and he became angry. Eliab asked David, Why did you come here? Questioned his motives. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the desert? Questioned his importance. <laughs> I know why you came down here. You are a tricky little kid. You don't want to do what you were told to do because dad didn't tell you to come out here and, and stalk up the, fir- on the front lines. You just wanted to come here and watch the battle. Question him. Well, remember back when David was anointed king? He was anointed in front of his brothers. Eliab, who is this good-looking, tall, dark, handsome Okay, not me. A tall, dark, handsome man, and, and he's, he's ready to, to be anointed king. He's the first son of Jesse, and he's overlooked. <laughs> and David, you know, and we know this is an ongoing problem because verse 29 says, David said, what did I do now? Any of you have young, older siblings? And they, they're telling you, like, you did this wrong. Well, what did I do now? <laughs> what did I do now? It's like they're critical of us. You know, what are you doing here? Why did you do that? Well, one of the first key of overcoming and taking on the giants of our life is being able to deal with the giant, the intimidation the emotional intimidation of people that makes us questions our motives, tries to get us to, and, 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 and mis- identif- does not identify what we're doing and what we're, what we're there for, and the belittling feeling that people can make you feel inferior. And they're trying to influence you and label you to be something that you're not. That's Eliab. That's the first key (laughs) that David has to overcome is overcoming that emotional letdown of his brother trying to make him feel inferior. Well, verse 30 says, David turned to some other people and asked the same question. Tell me again why the king, what's the king going to (laughs) do? What's the king going to do for the guy who kills kills giant, you know, Goliath? So 
He just, he didn't pay attention to his brother's accusations and his brother's condescending. He just turned against, what is it I'm going to get if I do this? And so some men heard, king, heard David talking, and they took David to the king. David is the only guy at this point who's been kind of, we can do this. We can take the battle to, to Goliath, okay? So we're going to take the battle to Goliath. Well, people shouldn't let Goliath discourage them. Verse, verse 32. I am your servant, and I will go fight this Philistine. Sometimes giants get us discouraged because they've been there for 40 days. You know, how long can you wait for a battle? No one is going to go into the middle, and no one from the Israel army is going to go fight Goliath. And so they're just in a standoff to see who makes the first mistake, and they've been doing this for 40 days. Well, Saul said to, to, to David, you can't go out and fight against this Philistine. Why can't David go? You're not even a soldier. Goliath, he's been a soldier since he was a kid. He's always been bigger than everybody else and beaten up on them, you know? So Goliath has been fighting his, you know, his whole life. He's just big and brawly, and he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a war machine. <laughs> well, Eliab said, question his motives. And Saul told him what he wasn't. David's reason why he could do this. Verse 34. There were times when I was taking care of my sheep, my father's sheep, that wild animals came to some of the sheep from the flock, came and took some of the sheep from the flock. Once there was a lion and another time was a bear. I chased that, that wild animal, attacked it, and took the sheep from its mouth. Now, it's interesting that the, as we look at the difficulties that we encounter, the Goliath that we face, we have defeated enemies in our past. God has given us times in our past where we've been able to overcome the difficulties in front of us that were seemingly insurpassable. Now, here's David talking about taking on a lion and a bear. And the wild animal jumped on me. Wait, wait, wait. I was chased. I chased the wild animals. I attacked it. Okay. We're going to find out in just a minute how David went on the offensive towards Goliath. And he said, those wild animals, they jumped on me, but I caught it by its fur under its mouth, and I hit it and killed it. I killed both the lion and the bear. And we'll kill that foreigner, Goliath, just like them. Goliath will die because he made fun of the army of the living God. Now, this is the transition. You know, we've, been, we've spoken in, in um, Sunday school about walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. Well, David does both of these. He walks in the flesh, as it were, whenever he's saying, how much do I get for killing? Well, who could, what do you get for killing Goliath? And then, in the spirit, he's saying, this man has made fun of the living God. Okay? And that can't go. That can't work. So both of them were active and going on in David's life. 
You see, when we walk in the spirit, you're not you're going to know what's going on in the flesh around you. You know, there are temptations and there are difficulties and those things, but we overcome them by the fruit of the spirit. Well, David was able to overcome these difficulties and, and even the idea of facing and facing the giant Goliath because of the spiritual battles he took care of earlier, facing the lion and the bear. That was a spiritual battle. If it wasn't for the Spirit of God, he would have died. Because he was anointed. Uh -huh. You see, when we give our life to Christ, we are anointed by his Spirit. And he, he walks with us. And of course, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. You see, we, we believe in this relational experience that we have with God, and that is that anointing in our life that covers us and helps us whenever we face the difficult times of life. And that's what happened to David, the lion and the bear. Hmm. Well, <laughs> Saul says, go and may the Lord be with you. So Saul put on the clothes, put on his clothes on David, his armor, his helmet, and all this stuff. And there's David trying to walk around in the king's, king's, king's armor. The this is the second key to defeating giants. Don't allow other people to manipulate you and try and make you like them. <laughs> you, you can't be somebody else than who you are. And who you are is who you're supposed to be. You see, so... <laughs> They will remind you of what you're not. You're not a soldier. So let me make you a soldier. And David says, nah, it's not going to work. I can't, I, can't, I can't fight Goliath like this. So I can't fight in these things. When do you tell a king that you can't do what he wants you to do? <laughs> and so this is David. Well, king... Um, I can't go and fight Goliath like this. This may be your stuff, but it doesn't fit me. So verse 40. He took his walking stick in his hand, so he took his uh, staff. Now, it's interesting, we could do a whole thing on staff. The staff was not only just, uh, just a walking stick, but they used to put on these walking sticks the very important parts of their life that they would be reminded of, you know, just by touching them would be a little symbol or whatever, and re remind him of the lion and the bear. It would remind him that he was anointed by Saul. He had these things that he carried with him every day, that God was with him, and the lion and the bear and the, the anointing, and other times that he had been with, been with God and felt close to God. They were all markings on this stick. So he goes into battle remembering all the times that God had been with him. See? That's our walking stick. Then he went out to meet the Philistine. The Philistines slowly walked closer and closer to David. Verse 42. Goliath looked at David with disgust. He saw that David was only a handsome, healthy boy. <laughs> and Goliath said to David, What is that stick for? Do you come chase me away like a dog? Remember, what that stick appeared to, to Goliath was different than what it was. <laughs> then Goliath used the names of his gods and, and to say curses against David. Cursed the God that David was holding. 
And he said to David, Come here and I will feed your body to the birds and the wild animals. <laughs> the third key is, sometimes our giants are just out and out better than us. <laughs> Goliath was the better soldier. But David didn't have to be a soldier. He had to be himself. So David said to the Philistines, you come using the sword and the spear and the javelin, verse 45, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, all-powerful and the God of the armies of Israel. You see, I come with the anointing of God on my life and I know who's, who, who I am in my relationship with God and I'm safe there. Today, the Lord will let me defeat you. <laughs> David. He's telling Goliath, God is going to let me defeat you. I will kill you. Physical, spiritual. He's walking in the spirit, but he has the power. The spirit is anointing his walk. I will cut off your head. Doesn't sound too spiritual. But in the battle and in those days, that was a very big thing to behead your enemy. And so today the Lord will let me defeat you. I will kill you. I will cut off your head and feed your body to the birds and the animals. Like David is intimidating this guy. You know, there's Goliath and there's David. I'm, on, I'm going to cut off your head. And I, you know, he's just he's a little ruddy kid. You know, I don't I think he sounds like Goliath. I'm going to kill you. Then all the world will know there is a God in Israel. You see, we are not representing ourselves. We are representing God every day of our lives. And we walk in his spirit as his representation to the world. Verse 47, all the people gathered here will know that the Lord doesn't need swords and spears to save people. The battle belongs to the Lord. And he will help us he will help me defeat you. You see, our life belongs to God. Our life belongs to God. We've given our life to Christ. He is the one who will help us and guide us. He will empower us. His spirit will be upon us. We walk, we talk, we move. Every, we live in his presence. Verse 48. Goliath, the Philistine, started to attack David. He slowly walked closer and closer toward David. But what did David do? He ran out to meet Goliath. What did David do when he faced the lion and the bear? He attacked them. Goliath was totally caught off guard because here's this ruddy kid coming with him with a staff and, and he thinks that all his, his kid has is a staff and he's going to shoo him away like a, like a dog. And Goliath has this, you know, he's this monster of a man who, who has killed probably thousands of people in battle and he's facing this kid and this kid isn't running away, this kid is running towards him. You see, we have to face our battles. We choose our ground on which to fight, and we fight the battle. The Lord is the one who is our helper, and the battle belongs to God. And David took out a stone from his bag. He put it in his sling. He swung the sling, and the stone flew in the, in the, the stone from the sling, hit, the Goli hit Goliath right between the eyes. I had to look this up. 
Do you know how fast a stone in a sling can travel? At over a, up to and over 100 miles an hour. <laughs> so when David hit Goliath, right in the forehead, you ever been hit with a stone? <laughs> you know, you get one swung, uh, flung out from underneath a, a lawnmower, and it hit you in the leg. That was before they had those guards on the bottom. <laughs> I mean, to tell you, you're in some pain. Well, here's a large, and it's not just a little, some little pebbles. They call them throwing stones. And throwing stones are not little pebbles. They're kind of a little larger than a pebble. I don't know how much they weigh. But if they're f- positioned properly and thrown and flung properly, they can get to speeds of over 100 miles an hour. And when that hits you in the middle of your forehead, <laughs> game over. The battle is the Lord's. David took his abilities that God had given to him while he was watching sheep. You know, watching sheep is about as, you know, as thrilling as watching grass grow. And you just got to entertain yourself. And so David, he would practice all the time, knocking rocks off of rocks and knocking birds out of the air. And, you know, anything that moved that he could hit. Well, when the lion and the bear came, he took them on. Well... David defeated the Philistine with a sling and one stone. He hit the Philistine and killed him. David didn't have a sword, but what did David say he was going to do? He's going to take his head off. So he ran and stood beside the Philistine. He took Goliath's own sword out of his sheath and used it to cut off his head. And that is how David killed the Philistine. The battle is the Lord's. And when that happened... All the terror that Goliath had influenced upon the children of Israel and the fun that Goliath had made about the God of Israel, everything changed and the armies of Israel took after the Philistines and they ran, left everything, trying to run for their, their cities. And they were, the dead were strewn the whole way down, the whole way miles and miles going back to their cities. And always, when people went to battle, they took everything with them. And after the Israelite had chased the Israeli army, chased them back, they came back and looted (laughs) the Philistine camp of all of their wealth. David kept the sword of Goliath, and he took Goliath's head back to Jerusalem. You know, it's like for us, it's like that's a gruesome sight, but not to the people of Israel. David took took on that incident, took David from a nobody to a somebody in the whole nation of Israel. God took him from one position to a position of honor and recognition for the whole nation of Israel, of which his future would now would now project. So the three keys to defeating giants, the ones who belittle us, like Eliab, we know what's wrong with you. We know you're nothing but a puny kid and and greedy. Those who are over us emotionally, they just kind of suck the life out of us with their comments, derogatory comments. But David did not allow that to happen. The battle is the Lord's. He was the anointed of God. 
Second, those who are over us positionally. Bosses, <laughs> uh, managers, you have to obey the king. Well, the king tried to, da- to dress David in his armor, make him something that he was not. David said, I can't fight like this. I know who I am. Thirdly, <laughs> those who are just over us and they're just better than us. Goliath was better than David at being a soldier, but no one was better than David at being a shepherd who had practiced with his sling. And so he took on, this, took on Goliath and took off his head. The battle belongs to the Lord. Goliath was defeated by the strength and the skills of a shepherd. <laughs> In our lives, we cannot allow people who, dry, who emotionally take us, try to take us down, those who are positionally trying to make us something that we're not, and those who are just playing better than us cannot defeat us because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me, and he has brought me to such a place as this for this moment in time in our life. And God will see me through. Amen? David defeats Goliath. Amen. (laughs) Father, we thank you. We thank you for the inspiration of your spirit. We thank you for your word, that these are not just fairy tales, These are tales of God's people chosen and gone into battle to face their enemies and defeated their enemies when it all seemed impossible. So, Lord, you have anointed us by your Spirit and we go into our daily lives knowing that we are victorious through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The battle belongs to God. These things we pray in Jesus' name.